scripture reading this morning is taken from Luke, the 18th chapter, verses 35 through 42. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and he ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he had came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Hello, church. It is uh, my honor to introduce our, our guest preacher today and when you introduce someone you try to just get a little connection going and so I thought maybe I would talk a little bit about his connection with Kerrville his beautiful daughter Marissa has her own ministry in Kerrville she is a speech and language pathologist where she works with kiddos who are in desperate need his uh, his son-in-law is a police officer here in Kerrville he knows Ricky from from a number of years so his connection in Kerrville is there then I thought maybe I would tell some funny stories, stories of uh, purple tank tops, mopeds, trips to Mexico, but uh, maybe later I'll tell some of y'all those stories. Um, maybe his work at Johnson Street Church of Christ in San Angelo, where, um, where Kevin and his wife Shelly truly did amazing things for 30 years at Johnson Street Church of Christ in San Angelo. Um, literally thousands of lives have been affected because of their ministry and, and my wife and I are, are, are some of those people. Then I thought maybe I would talk about the fact that, that even though he didn't have to for work, he's one of those crazy people that on his own dime and, and thought it would further the kingdom, um, even though he already had a bachelor's degree, later in life he decided I'm going to go get a master's degree, which sounds miserable to me to continue school like that, but he did and got his master's degree in missional leadership. And now he's working on his doctorate and a bunch of, bunch of things I don't even understand. It just means he loves Jesus and loves the Word of God. Um, but, but really, the, the, the best way to introduce him is to say, you guys that know me know that I have an unbelievable passion and love for this ministry called Arms of Hope. Um, humbly, I will, I will just say to you that, that I believe Arms of Hope is the most amazing thing I've ever seen ministry-wise. I've seen miracles out there. Um, the spiritual tension sometimes is so thick you can, you can cut it. And, and, and Bonnie and I have just decided in our season of ministry right now to pour out everything we have into Arms of Hope. Um, the moms are incredible. The kids are incredible. The staff is incredible. And so when I was blessed to be CEO five years ago, I, I had a very short list of people that I decided if they ever became available, I would actively pursue them in a leadership position at Arms of Hope. People that love Jesus with all of their heart and I believe would love the ministry the same way that, that Bonnie and I do. And so at a place where all big decisions are made, Mama Cita's in Kerrville, Texas, 
I was having dinner with, uh, with Kevin one night in the fall, and we were just talking, and he said, hey, you know, just my season of life after 30 years of Johnson Street might be a place where, where I'm, I'm open to do other things. And he goes, I just want you to pray about that and think about that. Who, know, who knows what the future holds? And, and over nachos, I said, when do you want to start? And so Kevin has been with Arms of Hope now as the director of ministry since roughly December, and he has already made an unbelievable impact. So I'm telling you guys, please, for the next 20 minutes or so, listen to what this man has to say, and you will be blessed. So if we go longer than 20, you can shut it off. You don't have to listen after that. Um, it is great to be here. Uh, it's good to be in Kerrville. I have loved Kerrville all of my life. Um, my Aunt Pat, her husband Phil right there, I had began coming down here to see them years ago. Um, and in one time, when I was 10 years old, I was in trouble and uh, I decided I was running away and my mom and dad said well where are you going I said I'm going to Kerrville I think I made it about a hundred yards from the house because it was getting dark um, but it is good to be here now I'm I'm really a little unsettled this morning uh, because I was here a few weeks ago, and y'all had this very dynamic uh, worship service, and you had the burning of the note, so you had fire in worship, and that's exciting. Um, and then I didn't realize it until I had already agreed to being here that uh, that last week you had Rick Ashley, um, and so to follow fire and Rick Ashley is a little unsettling um, this morning. Uh, Troy told me to, to tell you that Rick actually was the appetizer. Well, if he's the appetizer, I, man, <laughs> I've, I've got a lot of work to do this morning. Uh, but it is great to be here, and I love being here uh, with this family. There's a, a collision of a lot of my worlds here um, all the way. I don't know if Charlie McCormick is here this morning. I haven't seen Charlie, but uh, where? Charlie? Really? Can you believe this? WTC Bible Camp, 1985, 86, 87, somewhere around in there. I can't believe First time I ever went to camp, I was a counselor for Charlie McCormick. So I don't take any credit or blame. Just, we'll just leave it, leave it there. Uh, but then family and friends and arms of hope and uh, and then and Ricky, Ricky and I have a relation back to, I think, 1995 in Atlanta, Georgia is where we first met. And lots of activities, lots of Mexican food between then and now. So, and more to come, more to come. So, but it's great to be here. Um, this morning, uh, the text that was read is actually a, it's the appetizer, it is the pre-story, uh, and it's in Luke, and one of the things that happens in Luke, uh, Luke uses a thematic element uh, where when you read a text in Luke, there's always more going on than you think. And so when we get to Luke 19, and I say Luke 19, you go, okay, well, what's Luke 19? What well, says in your program the story of Zacchaeus? And you go, oh, I know that story. And, and you have the theme song, and you look at me and say, well, of course, he's talking about Zacchaeus. Um, and it's all there. But the story before that is important uh, because of the question. Jesus asks the question, 
what do you want me to do for you? And I want to pose to you that this morning that Jesus is asking us that question right now. And I want you to receive that question from Christ right now and hear him say, what do you want me to do for you? And then it is my prayer that for each one of us, our response is just like the blind man where this morning, may, there are a thousand different things taking place in our world, but for now, this morning, that we can respond in this moment, this morning, Lord, we want to see you. And that's my prayer. Now, before we dig into that text, I have a good friend who preaches, and he says one of the first things he ever does in preparing to preach is he has to stop and ask permission from the Lord to declare the word. And so this morning, I want to stop, and I want to pray for permission to speak the word and to hear the word. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we come to you from a lot of different places. This room is filled with stories. And God, our lives are filled with noise. But Father, this morning, in this time, and in this place, I pray that those stories come together as one story. And that the noise of our life for just a few mo moments fades away. And that in this time, and in this place, we will hear your voice, and we will see your face. And because of that, we will be changed people. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And so the text uh, this morning, like I said, that was a beginning text, uh, a, a preview in Luke chapter 18. But let me read the story out of Luke chapter 19. The story that we know is the story of Zacchaeus. And again, you've got the theme song going in your head. We're not going to sing it. It's already there. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. And a man was there named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass by that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And so he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. And all those who saw this began to grumble. And they said, he's gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Now Zacchaeus stood there, and he said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. And then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. 
The story of Zacchaeus, we, we know the story. We hear the story when we are in uh, elementary school, when we're in VBS. For a lot of us, that story is very ingrained in who we are. For some, I, I pray that there is someone here today and you are hearing that story for the first time. And I want you to know that story is, is for you. It is for all of us. It is not a child's story. It's for our children, yes. But we cannot miss that that story is for us as well. Let me tell you my Zacchaeus story. I was 16, uh, grew up around Snyder, actually in a suburb of Snyder, which is Ira. Little small town, and I'm sure someone, someone in here has been to Ira. I know my family has. There we are, lots, look at all these Ira folks. Uh, wait, raise your hand again if you've been to Ira. Are you kidding me? There are more people here today from Ira than are in Ira. Uh, real small town, played six-man football. And so I've always told people our team was, we were, we were a powerhouse. In the time that I played football in Ira, our opposing team, our opponents never got past the 50-yard line the entire four years I was in high school. For those of you that know anything about six-man football, we have an 80-yard field. So there is no 50-yard line. Um, also, uh, with in our, we had 10 in my graduating class, so everyone graduated in the top 10. That's pretty good. We graduated in the bottom 10 as well, um, but we don't talk about that. But Ira, that was my home, and out there in the cotton fields, and and you know, for for dinner we would go into Snyder, and that was a big deal, and. And every so often, we would have a really big, exciting... We would come down here to Kerrville, but then we would travel to the far-off, distant, exotic place of Dallas, Texas. That was my world growing up. But at 16, I was able to go to Washington, D.C. I was there for two weeks, got to work with Congress and do all kinds of really exciting things. But one of the evenings, we went to the Iwo Jima War Memorial, um, heard the Marine Corps band and the silent drill team perform, and it was amazing. And I had my little camera that my mom and dad had bought me for that trip, and I wanted to get the perfect picture. And I'm trying to get it, and everyone was too tall, and I'd move, and they're too tall. And, I'm, and just about the time I, I'm there, uh, somebody gets in my way, and then finally I wander over to a spot, and there's no one in front of me. And it is the perfect picture. The sun is just right. The Marine Corps band's there. The statue, the memorial, it was in, and I'm ready to take the picture. And just about the time I'm going to take that picture, the white gloved hand of a Marine guard reaches down on my shoulder. I had been so intent on seeing that memorial that I had walked, gone under a barricade and around some things, and I'm now in an area that is completely off limits. And I look, and sure enough, there is no one around me. I'm in the field by myself. The crowd is over there, and here I am standing with this big Marine guard. He is, I got the picture. I got the picture. He escorted me back, um, had a little visit with our sponsors later that evening. Um, about not going where I wasn't supposed to go. But that was my experience. But I so wanted to see that, that nothing else mattered. Do you see in that story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus didn't want to just be in the crowd and look at and observe Jesus. 
he wanted to see jesus there is a difference between looking at someone and seeing someone i've wrestled with whether to do i'm going to do it i'm going to i'm i'll go easy on you i normally i work with students and so we do we do crazy things with students right uh but I, I'm, I won't, I will not make you entirely uncomfortable. Um, but I want, I want to ask you to turn the person on either side of you. Turn the person. And, and I'm going to tell you for 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Now, I've done this with my students where I've had them do it for like 10, 15 minutes. But for 10 seconds, I want you to turn to the person next to you. And I want you to not look at them. Now, you're going to have to look at them. But I want you to just see them. All right, all right, 10 seconds, and I don't have my watch on, so I'm going to look, so, okay, go. Just see one another. Okay, that's probably 10 seconds. <laughs> now, for, go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you, that was a little uncomfortable to do that just then? Yeah, and, and you can't hardly do it without talking, Right? It is possible to look at someone and not see them. But Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And so one of the, the first things that we note about the story is that he wanted to see Jesus. And I want to tell you, there are so many things that distract us in this world from seeing Jesus. And I believe one of the first things that we need to do in recapturing who God is calling us to be in this world is we need to slow down and not be distracted. And we need to be a people who is hungry to see Jesus. Rabbi by the name of Abraham Joshua Heschel um, wrote a little book in 1949, 50, 51. Um, that book is on the Sabbath. My doctoral work is going to be exploring the Sabbath and how we might experience a contemporary... I'm popping here. I think it's too close to my... There we go. Maybe. All right. Um, Abraham Joshua Heschel uh, has written this book called Sabbath, and, and my doctoral work is looking at how we might... Um, begin to experience a form of Sabbath, and I'm not talking the traditional uh, Jewish Sabbath, but how we in contemporary culture might find ways to slow down our families and our life in order to see Jesus. But Heschel says that the goal of spiritual living is not to amass wisdom, but it is to face sacred moments. Now, I'm going to step away from his text for just a minute and say, the goal of our life is not to amass more and more stuff, not to just gain more degrees, not to have more money, a bigger house, a nicer car, but the goal of our life as Christ followers is to learn how to recognize and embrace and face sacred moments. The goal of our life is to learn how to gaze deeply into the face of Christ. So the next thing that happens in this story, 
is, okay, we, we'll go with the song. And Zacchaeus climbs up in the tree. Jesus looks in the tree and says, Zacchaeus, you come down out of that tree. So when we see Jesus, when we open ourselves up to really seeing Jesus, one of the things that happens is that we become vulnerable to Jesus fully seeing and knowing us. When I was trying to get that picture of that memorial, I wanted to see, and I ended up making myself vulnerable to being seen by others. Zacchaeus, as he runs ahead of the crowd, he's up in the tree, he wants to see Jesus, and Jesus immediately sees him. And he knows him. Now, when you were doing this little exercise looking at one another, if we'd gone very long with that, one of the things that you, and maybe you already experienced it, experienced it, but one of the things that would have happened is you would have begun to have really a difficult time seeing someone else because you're beginning to wonder what they are seeing in you, right? Um, you begin to wonder, okay, do I still have donut on my mouth from this morning? Uh, but when we open ourselves up to seeing Jesus, then Jesus is also able to see us and know us. Jesus is great at that, right? You think of the story of Simon, where Jesus is being anointed, having his feet anointed by the woman, and they're, they're at Simon's house, and Simon is standing over in the corner watching all this, and I believe that Simon is standing there with his arms crossed, a scowl on his face, and he's watching this, and the text says that Simon thought he didn't speak this, but Simon thought if he knew who this woman was, he wouldn't be letting her do that. He never said it, he just thought it. And when he thought it, Jesus turns and looks at Simon. And he says, Simon, I've got a story for you. Jesus has the ability to see deeply into who we are. And for us to be the people God has called us to be, we need to be people who hunger to see Jesus and who are open to Jesus seeing us and knowing us. And Jesus speaking to our life just like he did the woman at the well when he told her everything about her life. And she was amazed. And so, as we see Jesus, we open ourselves up to being seen by him. And then... Here's what happens. In this holy moment, in this moment of seeing Christ, being seen by Christ, do you see what happens with Zacchaeus? This connection happens, and Zacchaeus hears the crowd, and he looks at the crowd, and he sees them with new eyes. And he says, Lord, if I have defrauded anyone anything, I pay back four times. As we are people who see Christ, and as we are people who are seen by Christ, I believe Christ gives us new eyes. Just like he did the blind man, the blind man is now able to see. Zacchaeus is able to see the crowd. When we sit in holy moments in seeing Christ and knowing him and being known by him, we begin to see the world differently.
I want to tell you this morning, there is no greater thing that could happen for the Kerrville Church of Christ than for you to see this community with fresh eyes. This morning, as I was driving over here, uh, I went and had coffee and then driving over here, and I was just driving, and this is such a beautiful place. And I began, as I was driving, just praying for your community. And praying that even in the time that I'm able to be a part of this community, that I can see this community with fresh eyes. But can you imagine if we are people who see Jesus and are seen by Jesus and he gives us fresh eyes, can you imagine what might happen if as a community of believers we say, Lord, we want to see this community with your eyes? What an incredible blessing. But see, there is, there is the tyranny of the invisible. You know, there are people in this community that we're, we're completely blind to. There are people in my life that I encounter every day that I never see. But I believe as Christ followers, we have to pray for fresh eyes, for new eyes, to see those around us, to see the broken, the hurting, the disenfranchised, the marginalized. And we say, Lord, if we have done anything to harm them, if we have done anything to push them aside, we want to make it right, right now. So I believe that when we see Jesus and he sees us, he helps us to see the world. But I believe that reverse is also true. That as we begin to see the world, as we begin to see our neighbors, we begin to see Jesus in a fresh way again as well. And so the title, and you normally start with the title of the sermon, right? Then start with that. We're going to come back to that. The title of my sermon this morning is Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Now y'all are doing this really cool thing in a few weeks. Uh, look who's coming to, to dinner. And all of y'all are going to have dinner together in different places, right? Hopefully. I hope, I hope that happens. Guess who's coming to dinner? Here's what's hap what happens. When we are living our life and we are tempted to be so busy and so distracted and we say we don't have time to see Jesus. Jesus pulls up a chair to the table and says, Oh, yes, you do. Let's sit down and talk. And when we are frightened because of what is going on in our own lives and we are scared to be vulnerable and to fully be seen and known by Jesus, Jesus pulls up a chair to the table and says, let's talk. Let's share a meal. Get to know me. Let me know you. And then when we are going through our, our lives and we are so busy running from one thing to the next and we are blind and oblivious to the world around us, to the broken and the hurting, Jesus stops us and says, you know what? Let's go sit at the table, you and me. And by the way, let's grab a few more chairs because I'm inviting some other folks. When we see Jesus and when Jesus sees us, our table suddenly gets a lot larger. And he starts welcoming people to our table that we have never even noticed before. 
and we begin seeing that we are having meal partners and conversation partners with folks that have been pushed to the side that so desperately want to be seen. And so here's my prayer, and this is my prayer for me. I am, I am not standing here saying, I've got this all figured out. I know what it is to see Jesus and be seen by I, I'm telling you, I struggle with this. This is my prayer for me. This is my prayer for us. And we're not talking about something next week, next month, next year. I'm talking about today. My prayer is that each one of us today leaves here and we're ready to climb a few sycamore trees. Now, nobody's go start climbing trees and fall out of them and break a leg. I don't want that to happen. But my prayer is that today we leave here saying, Jesus, I want to see you. I want to see you in a way that I've never seen you before. I don't want to just know about you. Those of us that stand up here and preach, we can exegete and do Hebrew and Greek and all that stuff. And we may know a whole lot about Jesus and not know Jesus. And it's possible for you to sit in this room and in classrooms and in Bible studies and know a lot about Jesus and never know Jesus. It is my prayer that today we say, Jesus, we want to know you. We want to see you. We want to gaze longingly into your face and we want to be known by you. Jesus, we want you to search out every part of who we are. And if there are things that need to be broken and shaped and changed in our lives, Jesus, we want you to do that. And that today, as we leave here, and as we begin this process of seeing and being seen by Jesus, that we begin to see other people. And our heart is broken by the things that break the heart of our Lord. And we are moved in compassion to care for the hands and feet of Christ. That is my prayer. Now, I think we're going to sing a song here in just a minute. And you had a beautiful time of prayer earlier. But I want to say that even as we're talking about seeing and being seen, I know there's some of us in here right now who need to be seen by Christ. And I want you to know right now, whatever has been part of your life, whatever is going on in your life right now, I want you to know that Jesus is looking for you. Maybe there's some things that have caused you to feel invisible and unseen by the world, by, by maybe even those sitting in this room with you. I want you to know that Jesus sees you. And he earnestly desires to sit with you and to share a meal and share life with you. And so this morning, if you need if you need to take some time to sit with someone, draw up a chair with someone, sit at the table with someone, I want to ask you to do that. I want you to know that just as much as Zacchaeus was wanting to see Jesus, I believe that Jesus is always looking for us. 
and there are those sacred moments all around us where Jesus want to interact, wants to interact with us. And so this morning, in whatever, way, whatever that looks like for you to sit with someone and be with someone and pray with someone, I want to invite you to do that. I want to pray a blessing over us now, and then we'll stand and sing. Let's pray. Father, this morning, there are so many things that distract us and cause us to take our gaze away from you. Father, this morning, I pray, I pray that we will hunger for your presence, that we will be a people who desires to see you face to face, to sit at the table with you and share life with you. And Father, I pray that even now we are opening up our hearts to being seen by you. Father, those broken, wounded empty places in us, Father, I pray that you will pour into those places and you'll breathe new life. And Father, as we leave this place today, as we go to the restaurants, as we go out into this community, as we go to our places of work this week, as we sit with our families and friends this week, Father, I pray you will give us fresh eyes to see that we will not be blind, but that we will see others with your eyes Father, that we will embrace those sacred, holy moments of being in your presence. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for inviting us to your table. In the name of Jesus, amen.